In a world full of uncertainty, one thing is for sure. Cancer doesn't stop during a global crisis. On Saturday, June 13th, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society will host a trailblazing event, Big Virtual Climb, sponsored by AbbVie, to support their investment in groundbreaking research to advance blood cancer cures and its first-in-class patient education and services, including financial support and clinical trial navigation. Step up to take cancer down by climbing 61 floors or 1,762 steps. Inside or outside, on stairs, on the road, or your treadmill, climb your way. Join us for an opening ceremony and then take on your climb with our heart-pumping playlist. Join us on June 13th from coast to coast as we come together to climb, conquer, and cure. Register at lls.org slash bigclimb. It would mean a lot if you would do this, uh, not only for everyone that's suffering from leukemia and lymphoma, but my wife's grandmother died of lymphoma. And so we'll definitely be participating in this. And we hope to see you participating as well on June 13th. I'm Deontay Burton, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Hamadou Diallo. Hey, I'm Danilo Gallinari. I'm Chris Paul, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Louis Dort, and I'm down to Dort. What's Dort? I'm not going to lie. I don't know what that was. In English, bro. I'm Darius Baisley, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Shake Gilders Alexander. I'm Steven Adams. I'm Andre Robinson, and I'm down to dunk. On you. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. We are part of the Athletic Podcast Network. It's a fry pod, but it's with just me and Jamon. Really, I mean, two of the three original Down to Dunkers that were on episode one. You know, so we're just going back, going back to our roots here. Yeah, and it feels uh, good. It'll probably be, my assumption is way less funny. Yeah, uh, that's not necessarily the content that uh, Andrew and I bring to the normal fry pod, uh, but excited to talk. And it's 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 one of those things where it feels more encouraging because we're getting further and further or like closer and closer, I guess, towards like NBA, like actually having NBA content to talk about. So yeah. it's it the desert is maybe over and and that feels pretty good to uh be able to at least dream towards or think towards. So, but yeah. it's good to be here, man. I'm glad that we can just do this, man. A little throwback. I know this is great. Uh, it's also great that the NBA is considering all sorts of options for return to play. You know, I mean, weeks ago, I mean, you hear a lot of discouraging news from people. I know, like both guys named Zach, Zach Lowe, Zach Harper, were both like, "Yeah, I don't think we're getting any games." And to hear from those guys who are plugged in and it was like, God, that sucks. Like That would be so terrible to have no games. And then when they try to restart in October, like that could be the time where everything ramps back up. And then like, could they even start then? And it just felt like, oh my goodness, like we could be in this cycle where we don't have NBA basketball until 2021. And so it really does seem like things are going to get started uh, back with the NBA in July or early August, which is great news. Yeah, and it's it's clearly obviously going to be different. I think the when we initially kind of talked about this early on, it was such a sting of everything. And so we were trying to figure out what life looked like, let alone professional sports. And yep. Taylor had mentioned in a conversation that 
you know, he doesn't know how they'd be able to do it until you had some sort of vaccination, um, which I I think there's still some legitimacy to that. Like, Mm -hmm. so here's the worst case scenario in my mind uh, is what if by some happenstance, Anthony Davis or LeBron James gets contracts the coronavirus. And I'm not even talking as far as NBA, like their health and well-being, because, you know, like those two guys are incredibly fit. And, you know, I would trust that they would have the immune system to battle this thing, although that's not to get into the specifics of it. There's all sorts of, you know, different aspects of the virus. I understand that. So Mm -hmm. but if they have to go into a 14 day quarantine, like there's still and the reason I even say that is because there's still an inherent risk in all of this. But what you see is a collective um, desire from ownership, from the players association, like everybody is on the same page to jump in together and try to do something And the bubble option, which at some point I was listening to planet money yesterday from NPR. Mm-hmm. They were talking about how it like, this is like a dystopian sci-fi idea. And they, this is when they were at least talking about whenever the MGM grand was like, listen, you can have all of our hotels. We'll build you arena, you know, in our arena, we'll build you basketball courts, uh, he was like, this feels like a science fiction, like a, a scene from a movie that's about the future where the world has changed dramatically, which it's the reality that the world has changed dramatically. But we're going to get NBA basketball that Walt Disney World is, I mean, every indicator, I don't know if it's been finalized, but at least it looks like that's where we're headed. Um, and it's exciting, man. I think that it's hard because you do have some of those hardline people that will have the conversation of like, well, sports like how insignificant are sports even more now, right? Like why would we want sport? Like this feels ridiculous and we're going to get all these rich athletes to get the test and all these owners are going to make money. And I, I understand that side of the argument. I don't agree with it because I think that one of the things that you recognize in the midst of this is just the absolute morale boost that professional sports brings to oh, yeah. uh, a society, like a yeah. culture, especially in cities that have teams that are still in this, this thing. But I've got friends like there was a Bundesliga uh, soccer match that was played in front of no fans at like seven in the morning on Saturday. And I had buddies who were getting up that weren't even really that big of soccer fans just to watch it because there's something about live sports, um, that at least takes our mind somewhere else. And it gives us a little bit of, and it's weird to say this, but it gives us a little bit of hope in the midst of this storm mm-hmm. that there is uh, something on the other side of this. And so it's exciting. I think that there's a lot of things in play in the Board of Governors are meeting today. And yep. one of the things that consistently has come out is that they're not going to make any sort of final decisions today, but they're going to at least have conversations about what the format looks like. So, um, Andrew, so the formats that they're looking at is it, it's all but certain in my mind that it's not going to be the full NBA. Yeah. My assumption is is 20 teams is kind of what it feels like we're headed towards with those four, the three. I don't know if I don't have any reasoning to include the Wizards in that, (laughs) but you do have at least in the West, you have the Spurs, the Pelicans, the I think it's the Kings and the Trailblazers are the four teams that they're talking about potentially bringing in for a play in tournament. Yeah. The other option is this kind of World Cup looking uh, Olympics based pool play to where they would determine the eight teams based on these kind of pool plays. What are those two ideas? And and there may be others that I'm not familiar with. And so if I missed one, what are, what would that option be? And then what are your thoughts on the, the different options that are coming out for the potential return? Yeah, I may be kind of boring when it comes to this, but I would just prefer the 16 teams. That's it. You know, like some people are like, well, these guys deserve a chance to, to get to play. 
Well, there happened to be like this 60 game play in tournament that we did before this all started <laughs> that allowed these these teams to shuffle into the right spots. And that's I mean, you could easily call it that like it's that's it, you know, and then if you're I mean, the Wizards are 24 and 40. Yeah, they don't. Yeah, the, you don't need to bring the, the Hornets are 23 and 42. You're going to give them a chance to make the playoffs. Like, get out of here. Get out of here with that. Like, I'm, I don't, I don't like that. And I'm like, I'm sorry to the Blazers. They're 29 and 37. Are they really? Yeah. Holy moly. The Pelicans are 28 and 36. It's almost like Damian Lillard waved goodbye to uh, the 2020 <laughs> I know. Yeah, the Memphis Grizzlies are only one game below 500. And we're really thinking about giving the Blazers a chance at 29 and 37. And how would you even do it? I think the question, so number one is one of the things I read, and I can't, I can't speak with any certainty on who reported this. Um, I'm assuming since we're athletic that it was Shams. It was Shams right. that reported this. But, <laughs> it could only be Shams. Uh, it was 75% of owners were in favor or GMs were in favor. If you have, I think it was maybe just between the two options of like, if you're going to do a league kind of a pool play, mm-hmm. or if you were going to do a play in tournament, I think that 75% of GMs were in favor of some sort of play in tournament. Yeah. The hard part for me that, that you're talking about is that the Grizzlies, like how it's not unfair in the sense that like they would play for their survival. Yeah. But it's like, you would have to, I don't know. I don't even know how you do it. Like a best of three. Or it, is it, it I could mean, be a one game. Yeah. I mean, you, you just go ahead and put the blazers in, you know, with is back. I mean, those guys are back and you have Dame and that Memphis Grizzlies team does not have the experience probably to be able to play in such a, you know, pressure environment like that. And then maybe, but, and yeah. maybe it, maybe you would rather have blazers Lakers round one. I mean, for sure. You know, I mean, that would be okay. That's something. And so maybe there, maybe there's something it's either to that, that or, or the other thing. And, and I think this was, I don't know, somebody on the hoop collective is they are pretty certain like the, the Pelicans really want a shot at making this, sure. this tournament too. Mm-hmm. So that's for me that if you're looking at it, pure excitement, maybe they set the final, Hey, we're going to be doing training camp at the beginning of July, and then we're hoping that we're going to kick off the season the last full week of July. But the first seven days of it is going to be a best of three tournament between the Kings, the Spurs, the Pelicans, and the Trailblazers. Well, but that didn't even still doesn't work. You'd have then you'd to have to do the Mavs and the and the Grizzlies, is what everybody's saying, and then include the seven and eight, and then you battle set for seven and eight. Man, that would I, from a pure excitement standpoint. It'd be very fun. Amazing. It would be very uh, fun. Who would you? So let's just let's go down this path. Is there a chance that Portland and New Orleans would make it instead of Dallas? I, th- I feel pretty confident in Dallas. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Dallas has not had the greatest stretch. You know, they started the season really hot and then, you know, really struggled down the stretch. So, and I wonder, and you do have to wonder, like, I'm assuming. Porzingis and Doncic went went home at the start yeah. of this is an assumption. I have no idea. Now they've begin to let 
players come back, which is lifting some of those travel restrictions. And so they will have time to do that. But I just don't know the experience of them going home, what that does as far as workouts and in shape. Like there are those elements that are a part of that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's that's why there's so many unknowns in this. But it would be really hard for me not to pick the Blazers and the Pelicans to make it out of that group. Yeah, and that would I mean, honestly, the NBA is rooting for Mavs Pelicans, you know, to have those two young stars in there. Oh, yeah, um, Zion versus LeBron in the first round or Yeah. I mean, Zion LeBron, you know, the NBA would be very excited to have that. But yeah. I think if you're if your goal, I think this is why I could see this happening because if your goal is how do you increase viewership how do you increase interest in the league for this run, which I think it's already going to be at an all time high. Like Mm -hmm. I think you're going to see ratings numbers that are, that haven't been seen in a really long time in the NBA. That's just my prediction. Yeah. I think that, that doing that play in game really changes the whole, because if you do have a whole week where you're settling the seven and eight seed, now what sucks is these, the seven and eight seed are like, Hey, congratulations. You just made it through this tournament (laughs) and now you get to play the Clippers and the Lakers. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's a, that's a task and they, they'll fail. Yeah. But yeah, it's, yeah, they would have failed probably anyway, but at least it'd have been a better shot maybe is my guess. But, and the other thing I think that's, I'm really glad has seemed to have faded away is the reseeding of the entire playoff. I'm I'm just not in favor of it at all. I just don't, I don't, I don't like, I don't like the idea of it just altogether just because I mean, it's been East West for so long. And first of all, they're not going to be able to get enough votes. Like no one in the East is going to vote for that. No, you know, there's, there's just no way. So it's just not, it's not a feasible thing to happen. And but, I think, but still, like, and then like the rivalries, and this is Zach, Zach Lowe touched on this too, is like the rivalries are gone. You know, like what rivalry is there between the Thunder and an Eastern Conference team? Right. You know, None. like Thunder Jazz is like, that's, I mean, that's already a thing. Thunder Rockets, that's a thing. You know, even going back like Thunder Nuggets, that's a thing. Yeah. And like, well, and like I think thunder the other thing that's so I mean, yeah. yeah, well, and the thing that's hard for me is the seating is unfair because of the fact of they don't play even schedules. Yeah, yeah. Like, even the Bucks, which I think the Bucks are legitimately great, but the Bucks have built their schedule playing a lot of Eastern Conference teams. Oh yeah, they play the, the Bulls four times. They play, you know, I don't know what they have played up to this sixty game mark, but mm-hmm. they played a lot of these teams in their the Cavs. They played the Cavs a ton. They Detroit. play a lot yeah. of these teams to where they build their schedule up, where it's not really you're not you're not starting at an even level. Mm-hmm. You know, what the Lakers have had to play the Clippers multiple times. They played the Thunder three times. They play the trail. You know, like the Western Conference is just so much stronger from the top to bottom, mm-hmm. although it has evened out a little bit with the East. I think that you could look at the top six, <clears throat> excuse me, top six or seven and say that that they're comparable to a lot of those. But the bottom of the East is just so bad that they've been building up a ton of this record, their record based on beating, you know, not as good teams. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the thing that just it's not an even playing field. And so if you wanted to recede in the future, I think you would have to figure out a way to make sure the schedules were were mixed like that. Mm-hmm. You know, where you had both sides getting a lot of uh, the same play. My my new puppy decided that she was going to scream in the midst of that conversation. But that's her. Uh, that's her. Uh, 
big big premiere on the pod. <laughs> it's your big moment yeah it's good yeah it's yeah <laughs> to me i just everything is so complicated already with trying to keep everybody healthy and trying to make this thing happen and getting everybody to orlando and making sure that everything is set that i just would prefer to just keep things very simple <laughs> You know, and let's just let's just make sure that we can, you know, make this, you know, make the playoffs happen. And so if you have to play some like scrimmages or you consider it to be like preseason or whatever, you know, three games each for for every team to kind of get everybody back into playing basketball, do that. But and the playing tournament would be very fun. Like I, I do I do think it would be very fun. Uh I would feel. Do you do it east and east and west, or just the west, or do you? I don't know. I mean, that's not really fair to say. Like, yeah, Wizards. Like, you were just too crappy this year. Um, and maybe you could do that, but I don't think the Wizards <laughs> or Hornets would be very excited about yeah, that. No. And like, who would you even pick to make the eighth seed if it were Wizards, Hornets, Nets, and Magic? Like, ultimately, who cares? But. Um, that would be less exciting, but a Dallas, Memphis, Portland, New Orleans tournament would be like, oh, okay, like that. That would be cool, but I'm just like also erring on the side of caution to where it's like, okay, let's uh, let's make sure we can just have a playoffs that that matters. Mm-hmm. Let's make yeah, sure that we can get everybody eat, in, even if you have to eat the TV money that you're going to lose. Like it's it it is what it is at this point. Like. Mm-hmm. It's going to be hard to get teams to 70, which is kind of the magic number. And it feels like most of the momentum is moving away from that anyway, where it's like, hey, you know, we're just going to lose millions of dollars. But hopefully you can regain or recoup a lot of that through the way we do this, this bubble playoff, all of those things. I just don't think it's realistic to try to get all 30 teams there and settled in and play regular season games. I mean, it just it just feels like we've played enough games to know who the best teams are. Cause ultimately this is about crowning a champion. You know, this isn't about rewarding, you know, six, seven, eight, you know, nine, 10 teams. Like that's not what this is all about is figuring out who's the best team in the NBA. And so it's, it's about the bucks. It's about the Lakers and the Clippers. And it's about, you know, I, who's like the Celtics, I guess, or like the next best team, or even the Sixers, I still think have a fighting chance to get there. You know, it's, right. about, it's really about those teams. The Raptors. Yeah. What do you, do you think the Raptors are a contender? No. Yeah. It's hard to say that, though, because they're, I think they've what the third best record in the entire NBA 46 and 18. That's insane. Yeah. Better than the Clippers. Yeah. I mean, I think they're good, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't put them. I think you clearly have the Bucks, the Lakers, and the Clippers in a tier above everybody else. Yeah, yeah. And I then think I think you right. could throw Boston, Philly, Toronto, Denver. Maybe isn't that? I, I never. It's mm-hmm. so funny. Like this is off topic, but here's my question for you: If this is your Denver roster going forward, mm-hmm. do you feel like a championship is in your future? Like a Jamal Murray Jokic team is going to be historically a two to five seed mm-hmm. for the next ten years. That's my opinion on it. Like I just don't ever see them being elite enough to win a championship. I mean, Gary Gary Harris being awful was uh, is something that has very much hurt that. <laughs> Jamal Murray kind of having an underwhelming season this year hurts that. The only hope 
is Michael Porter Michael Jr. Porter, right? So if, if Porter can step up and be the player that everybody thought he could be, um, you know, I think that that changes everything for them. But if he's just kind of like the score off the bench or potential starter, or, you know, that's a pretty good player, really good score, then it's like, okay, yeah, that's probably the case. But I don't know. I wouldn't call it because, I mean, Porter's 21. Yeah. Joel Murray's 23. Yeah, they just paid Jamal a ton of money. They're going to mm-hmm. pay Jokic a ton of money when he comes up. Like, you're you're kind of locked into generally what – so you really are betting a lot of your, like, champion. I think you'll be good. I'm not saying that. I think you'll be good to, to great for a long time. Mm-hmm. But it's just like I just look at them versus the Lakers or the Clippers, and you're like, nope, which is not fair. Like, that's a comparison that's not fair for anybody. But I guess what you could say over those two teams is that in four years – the Nuggets could still have, you know, what yeah. looks like this roster with Jokic Jamal, and, yeah, Murray and Murray and, and Porter and, you know, whoever else they get along the way. Mm-hmm. Whereas I don't think the Lakers or Clippers will be even close to what the teams are today right now. And so yeah, right. and then you have to weigh what the Nuggets could do. Like, I still think they'll be really solid. But are they going to have a top five player in the NBA? Yeah, that's that's always the question about whether you're an NBA contender or not. Do you have a top five player? Yeah. And you can see the Mavericks having a top five player. You can see New Orleans having a top five player. And then you have all the guys that are going to come in the draft in the next four years. You know, who's who's the next guy? Yeah. Who's going to get Imani Bates? You know, that. Yeah. And it's so hard to predict any of that. Right. Like, yeah, you 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 can't. Yeah. So, but they'll be good. Like that's, and if you're a small market team and you can be really good for a decade mm-hmm. and have a chance to make a conference finals, like I think the Nuggets will make a conference finals in the next five years. I think yeah. that can happen. I just think I was so let down, let down by the loss to the Trailblazers last year. It was like, I know. what? I know. It was, it was Dame time. Actually, Dame wasn't even that good. It was CJ time. <laughs> it was and CJ they were just time. like dragging their dead bodies. They had just been beat to death mm-hmm. in the last, you know, series and, Anyway, man, it yep. it's anyway, that's not really point at this point. But yeah, I think the good thing is we got basketball. I think we'll get more clarity today uh, yep. uh kind of what the potential is going to be and then hopefully by next week or the week after we'll have an idea of what a timeline looks like. So, do you have any like anything you're hearing as far as timeline on what when things are going to be decided? I would guess by early next week. I mean, yeah. they're under the gun right now to make mm-hmm. a decision. So, I w- I wouldn't be surprised to hear Monday or Tuesday like okay, we figure this out over the weekend. This is what is going to happen. And then everybody will start gearing up because, I mean, it's it's June next week. So yeah. and it feels like what from what I'm seeing via Instagram and Twitter is a lot of the players are back. Um, most players are back in their home markets and they're at least in this because I think almost every gym or every city has opened up voluntary workouts, if I'm not mistaken. Because yeah, even New York is open, I think. Yeah, I don't know what the number is. I think last week it was at like 17 of the 30. Mm-hmm. And I know some have opened. So I don't know. We're in the 20s now. so we're Or June or June 1st or something. Yeah. So anyway, but we got basketball on the way, which is good. That's That'll uh, it, be fun. That'll be really fun for us. Obviously, this is what we do is talk basketball. And I really, I think the hardest, one of the hardest, like kind of not that important ultimately losses in the midst of this thing. It was like, I really wanted to see this team make a run. Like, even if it's just one round, like I just wanted to see these guys play and have a shot to do something and, and see Chris Paul in the playoffs, which I know has historically not always been the most 
uh, you know, beautiful or brilliant or <laughs> great moments for him. But I think yeah. there are also some really, really big moments for him in the history of playoffs. So anyway, all, yeah. all to say that, that it looks like we're heading that direction. And so as a, as a basketball fan, I'm pretty excited. Being quarantined with people, you uh, you learn a lot more about them, and some of that is how they smell. And if you are a man and you're looking to smell good, you've got to check out Hawthorne. I got some of their soap, body wash, deodorant, and lotion in the mail in a package, really a beautiful package. And it is great. It got this giant bar of soap that I've been using. It not only exfoliates, but it makes... Your, your skin just smell and feels so good. It's easily the best soap I've ever owned. And I've owned a lot of different soaps, but this is easily the best soap. And it's a great gift for Father's Day. So they've got cologne, they have soap, they have all kinds of body wash and lotion, and they have like hand cream and things like that that'll just make you smell great. And I think one challenge that, that men have is when you walk into a store, maybe you're going to find cologne, maybe you're going to find a good smelling soap, I don't know what I'm looking for, and I'm sure that you guys don't either. And so Hawthorne makes it super easy. You take a two-minute quiz when you get onto their website. That's hawthorne.co. When you go to their website, and you take the quiz, and it actually asks them like random questions and some questions specific to you, and it kind of spits out this algorithm that gives you your kind of soap and your cologne scent, which is really cool. And it is so helpful to me because I don't want to have to choose that. I really don't care about choosing what it is, but Hawthorne does it for you and it does it right. So listeners, check out Hawthorne at Hawthorne.co. That's Hawthorne with an E dot C-O, not dot com, Hawthorne.co. And use the promo code down to dunk to get 10% off your first purchase. That's Hawthorne.co and use the promo code down to dunk to get 10% off of your first purchase. Hawthorne.co. And what's interesting about this team is that at the top, there's a lot of playoff experience. Chris Paul, Stephen Adams. You know, Gallinari hasn't had a ton of playoff experience, but he's a veteran that you don't think will be rattled. Dennis Schroeder has played in the playoffs a bunch. You know, Shea has already had some playoffs under his belt last season. Ferguson's played in the playoffs. Like all the guys that matter, you know, for the most part, have been in the playoffs. You think about the Thunder, you think about, oh, this is kind of a young team. You know, they're on the verge of rebuilding. But this version of the Thunder, there's a ton of playoff experience. And yeah. you, you, know, you look across, you're like, I don't, I don't know who will be, like, rattled by it. Because Shea, no, Shea stepped up his game last year in the playoffs. He was yeah. great. I was about to say, even Shea, who would be, people would define him as young, like, he had some good playoff minutes where they gave the Warriors probably the best series that they got in the West. <laughs> yeah. There's, I mean, they were scrappy. I was going to look up what he averaged in the playoffs because, I mean, it was actually pretty impressive. And that's, well, and I was watching one of the one of the games last year with the Clippers and the Warriors, where the Clippers were down by like 25 or something, and came back and won. Mm-hmm. And Shea made two incredible assists actually towards the end that were really important. He, he made this one where he kind of went underneath and passed to Montrez and got that, and then he passed out. I think to. Uh, Shamit maybe hit a huge three mm-hmm. kind of in a, in a clutch moment. So yeah, he's ready for that. Yeah. 13, 13 points per game in the playoffs. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. He had, so in game four, he had 25 points, a steal, two assists, two boards and shot yeah. three of five from three. That'll be fun. It's going to be a blast to watch. It's crazy. 
It's crazy. Uh, what else is crazy that the Knicks are thinking about hiring Tom Thibodeau? <laughs> it's the crazy. I mean, I could not. Now, so here's your options on this. Is Number one, is there still the insane, nonsensical franchise they've been for a while? Or, okay. which is probably the higher likelihood. Yeah. Or this new leadership um, has really come in with a plan that is very different than the Knicks rebuilding through the draft, which if the Knicks get their life together, they are one of the few markets that can actually like build via free agency. But you have to have some sort of plan, uh, which leads us. I, I think the standing at the center of this is the fact that Thibodeau is not a develop your young guys coach. No. Never has been. No. <laughs> you don't bring Tibbs in to make J, JR, or JR, uh, JT Barrett. J, the elite. RJ Barrett. RJ Barrett. <laughs> Goodness. That's it's been a memorable. It's he, been a while since we talked about that's basketball. That's how memorable he was in the, uh, in the season two. But uh, it is one of those things where, like, you're not bringing Tibbs in to help him and Kevin Knox and, and yeah. Frank Tilakina become the next era of the Knicks. Right. So what is this? what are the implications that you see for this? I mean, you bring in if they if they do indeed hire Tom Thibodeau, it means that they're going to have a veteran team and, and they're going to want to make the playoffs is what it comes down to. And if if you're in the Eastern Conference, we just talked about it. You have all these teams battling to get in to the playoffs at you know below 500 numbers. You can get there. There's a path to get there. And certainly if you have Chris Paul on your team, you can get there. And so they can do all sorts of things to get themselves in position to trade for Chris. And you can wave Bobby Portis and, you know, they probably want to keep Todd Gibson now because I think that Todd Gibson has played on every Thibodeau team that's ever happened. Right. And so you probably, now. you probably keep Taj, but then you can wave Alfred Payton and Wayne Ellington and you can wave yeah, those you, guys and absorb. Are you not going to pile any of those? Like you wouldn't, they don't need to trade contracts. Like if they waived enough people, they can get enough cap to absorb Chris Paul without having to match salaries. Is that what you're leading to? Yeah. Yeah. They can get there this summer. With, either, I mean, either way, it's kind of semantics at this point. Like the Thunder could absorb those guys and wave them too, but it would save the Thunder money. Oh, I think the Thunder would prefer that they wave those guys. and Before then, they try to package Yeah, them. and then you could take bring back like eight million bucks. And Man. and get there. I mean, it's that's a possibility. And so they could take back a young player or a draft pick, you know, in order to, you know, give them Chris Paul. And then the Knicks don't have to give a whole lot back at that point because yeah. those contracts could end up, you know, really helping them. And, you know, this would be the year to do it. And so, I mean, if you had Chris Paul, Julius Randle, Todd Gibson, you know, Mitchell RJ Robinson. Barrett... Mitchell Robinson, that's a, Reggie I mean, Bullock. That's prob- Truthfully, like this is crazy. Is that's probably a playoff team in the East? Oh yeah, easily. I think that a healthy Chris Paul, and you have just competent players around him, which the guys I named are pretty competent players. Yeah, you get there, and, and you that's may all be you, able, you could even potentially get somebody else. Like, yeah, I don't know what you would have money wise, and I'd have we'd have to. I mean, I have to do some work to look at that, but I think that you could even sign a a mid you know, mid-level free agent this offseason. Because like, I, mm-hmm. I think one of the things we're not even, we can't even comprehend the financial implications of what's happened this season for the salary cap projections in the future. And so it's, right. what are guys that would have last year gotten 
15 a year or 12 a year going to be on the market for this year? You know, because mm-hmm. oh, everybody's yeah, going to take no a hit. I have no like clue. nine million, you're going to get a guy that, you know, so I think that there's some, and the Knicks are still a team that's going to be able to spend money. Like they make money regardless of how good they are, you know, because mm-hmm. they're the Knicks. If you get uh, Chris there, like that's a guy that can help bring other guys yep. in. I mean, but you have to, you have to have a plan, right? Like that's the thing is, is going this direction with Thibodeau, which I'm not a Thibodeau fan. I haven't ever been a Thibodeau, Thibodeau fan. Like I, mm-hmm. those Bulls teams were good, but I think he drove players into the ground. The Minnesota thing was a bust. They got into playoffs one year, but was clearly a bust in my opinion. Like mm-hmm. I'm not a Thibodeau guy, but at least they have a direction with Thibodeau, Chris Paul, like some veteran leadership. And and then you hope some of these young guys take a good step, like the next step to do something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's just, you know, like I, it makes sense to me. So here's my question. What what's the bare minimum you're going to take for Chris Paul? Like, what are you looking for? I mean, I'm looking for a draft pick. You know, I'm you not. Want, I'm not super 20. excited about anybody outside of R.J. Barrett. You know, and they they should 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 not deal him in this kind of trade. So I'm looking right. for a draft pick. But you, would you want this year? Or you want? Would you think any chance the Knicks are giving up to 2020? I mean, it's the Knicks. You know, I wouldn't. I mean, it could be the sixth pick in the draft, which in this draft is like. That's not the greatest thing in the world. Uh, but still, if you had the sixth pick, like you could get Tyrese Halliburton. You could get Anyeka Kongwu. You could get, I mean, either one of those guys would be like, okay, like that's pretty well, cool. You, and you don't, the crazy thing is you don't really know what you can get, to be honest. Like, because even if it's the sixth pick and the Thunder still have 21 or whatever the Nuggets is, 23, 25, I don't yeah. know what that's going to land at. But, even if you look at that, those two things, you can potentially, depending on what team is ahead of you, if the right person falls to a team that doesn't necessarily need that, like what there's a chance you could pair those two together, give it to them and move on. Right. Like mm-hmm. if the Hawks land somewhere and the only person on the board is uh, another point guard, mm-hmm. if it's Lonzo ball for the Hawks, yeah, Lonzo, Gosh. LaMelo, LaMelo. I, this, this is the <laughs> this wasteland. <laughs> I know this is real basketball conversation, but, but if it is LaMelo and yeah. you have Trey young, like, is that redundant enough where the thunder could throw in, Hey, I'll give you these two picks. And then a future protected first that conveys to a second in 2075, you know, like, mm-hmm. could you do something like that and get somebody that you'd be excited about? There's just there. I think those possibilities are always out there, but then again, listening to you and McKelly talk about the worst draft picks in thunder history, like, like surely if those moves are out there, the th- I've always assumed slash hoped that if there was a way for them to move from Cole Aldrich, although they wanted him, uh, or the campaign, like if they could have moved up one spot to get Devin Booker, they would have, in my mind, I hope done so. Yeah. So it's not always there. I understand that. But mm-hmm. there is always at least a potential. Yeah. There is a question at Barn Keen. That kind of goes right into this conversation. Do you think there's a realistic chance Presti trades up in the draft for LaMelo? The recent stuff about Beal and the Thunder proves Presti will make crazy moves for his guy. LaMelo seems like a Presti guy to me. Plus, LiAngelo is in OKC, which is interesting. So, is LaMelo Ball the Thunder guy in this draft? I like LaMelo Ball a lot. I think he's super interesting. I think that nobody in this draft class really passes like he does. Uh, which I think is important. 
uh, he's big. He's six seven, like legit six seven. And so to have a backcourt of SGA and Lamelo Ball is really, I mean, very very intriguing. And he's a he's a streaky scorer. He was kind of able to do whatever he wanted this past year as a scorer. And so can you can you box him in a little bit and help kind of tame him is a question. Uh, but to me, he's got superstar potential. He also has like a pretty low floor because if he's not able to shoot it, then that's a, a little bit scary because he didn't have the greatest shooting splits this year. So he's a little bit scary in that way. I think a guy like Killian Hayes is a little bit safer. Yeah, but some people have Killian Hayes going. I mean, I think it's Kevin O'Connor has him at has him number, number one. one. Yeah, that's a very un- unpopular opinion. Right. <laughs> of Hayes. But I know you and McKelly really like him, too. I like him, too. I mean, if you can get like the fifth or sixth pick, I mean, to me, that's a guy. I mean, he's another bigger point guard. He's six foot five. Not as big as LaMelo, but still has good size that can kind of be your combo one two where you don't really know like who is the actual point guard like who cares like both guys can handle yeah. both guys can you know do a lot and Hayes is good to be a decent spot up guy it's Tyrese Halliburton is the same like you have a lot of options for guys that I think how would, old is Tyrese Halliburton oh he's a sophomore so maybe like yeah. 20, 21. 20 so I mean yeah, and if not you're not uh, just a quick plug like if you're not one of the things McKelly and Andrew are doing as part of the dream team uh it's after dark, not after what? Yeah, Thunder After Dark. Thunder After Dark. Uh, is they're going through all of these these guys um, each week, and so you get a different prospect each week, and so check those out because they've already walked through everybody we've talked about. They've talked about in their podcast, and so check that out if you're not already subscribing to that. It's a really simple, cheap way to be way more in tune to the draft than a majority of people that you're going to come into contact with. So. And we'll have time to cover everybody this time. So <laughs> yeah, you will. You may get through pick fifty or sixty. Or, I know. Uh, so, but yeah, I think I just I I think that possibility is out there, right? Mm-hmm. And I I even wonder if the Knicks would take if there's a way, like if there's if the Thunder have a player that they're they would be willing to move in addition to Chris Paul to maybe sweeten the deal to get the fifth pick or the sixth pick. Like, is that even out there? If it, and I'm not saying that the Knicks would really move the needle for like a Terrence Ferguson, but I think of somebody that like that that would need a new that would thrive in a new environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, or hopefully thrive in an environment. You even have a Hamadou doesn't move the needle much either, but you know, being a New York kid that can fly out of the gym, like there's stuff like that where the thunder, if they really were, were really intrigued by the fifth or sixth pick, they could at least do something, even if it meant like, Hey, we'll throw in a future mm-hmm. one of the heat picks or one of the, yeah. you know. you've got options. And I, I don't, I think that I've been very adamant that they're not going to be dealing draft picks just all over the place. But if it is for another draft pick, yeah, then yes, I think that that's that's something that they will have to be willing to do, you know, especially I, if it's somebody they really like. Yeah, and like I I've, I've, I've always said, they won't love with a whole bunch of guys. But yeah, no, I think that, I think there's guys. I think that one of these guys or a couple of these guys are gonna be like, oh, like Anthony Edwards. Turns out, like the guy can score at the NBA level, and if he can, like watch out, like that guy's crazy athletic uh you know Lamella ball is another one of those guys then killian hayes i think that one of these like tyrese halliburton isaac okoro you know cole anthony who i'm really i really am just very soured on him uh but like devin vassell who i really really like i think that guy's six seven he can freaking shoot the ball like nobody else uh like that guy could 
really be an impact player at the NBA level. Uh, like one of these guys is going to work out and it's going to be like, Oh man, I can't believe that, you know, so they pass on so-and-so and, you know, to me, this is an opportunity and the thunder work really hard at scouting. Some of the teams don't work as hard, but the thunder do. And so this is a, this is a chance for the thunder to get in and maybe they have their guy, you know? So I think that that's, it's a sincere possibility because they have, yeah. they have the assets they don't necessarily have the young players to deal. I mean, are you willing to deal Baisley? Like, what is Baisley's value? Does, you know, wh- where is that at? I mean, that's the guy that, if you're going to deal a player for the Thunder, I mean, certainly like Hamadou Diallo, Terrence Ferguson, like that doesn't move the needle for anybody. Baisley might. I mean, might. Uh, and still maybe doesn't. <laughs> so I think the, the truth is that the Thunder have one player that holds a tremendous amount of value and the trade it would take to get him is tremendous, you know, in SGA. And so I don't, I just don't see that happening. I don't feel like there's going to be a match there, but they do have future picks. They have Chris Paul. They even have Dennis Schroeder. I mean, Dennis Schroeder in the last year of his deal where you could possibly like he may accept an extension this summer. And that guy could have some value. Yeah. Uh, that, that guy may be somebody that you throw in and say, hey, because it's happened before in the past where teams have said, let me get, let's get like a piece here or there that can maybe put us over the top. Mm-hmm. And it's never been a great move for those teams, but Washington dealt a top 10, dealt their Ricky Rubio pick to Minnesota for Mike Miller and Randy Foy. Mm-hmm. So, Dennis Schroeder is to me the level of player where you look at this draft and you're like, yeah, like, are we going to get anybody in this draft that's going to be as good as Dennis Schroeder? And like, do we know that Tyrese Halliburton and Killian Hayes and all these guys, I mean, even Cole Anthony, do we know that these guys are going to be better than Dennis Schroeder? We don't know that. And Dennis is still pretty young. Yeah, Dennis is 26, I think. So, I mean, yeah, do, it's, it, do we know it's, there's sure? so many. Yeah, there's so many things at play, especially because, you know, like you, you just don't know who gets what and where in the draft and who has a need that they feel like could be filled pretty, mm-hmm. you know, like we've talked about Minnesota a lot. Now, Minnesota's going to have a really high draft pick, but Minnesota's one of those teams that could really, well, I guess they, I, I forget that they got D'Angelo Russell, so right. so that Dennis Schroeder part of it. But we did talk about them earlier in the season. But there are teams that would they they could at least convince themselves with the point guard could take a step that's different. Like even if you looked at the Magic, where they've been relatively successful, quote unquote, with DJ Augustine as their point guard, which mm-hmm. you know I would say Schroeder is an upgrade from DJ Augustine, you know, for them. And so if and yeah. that's a team that just kind of always wants to be on the verge of the playoffs. That's mm-hmm. kind of their goal is to like just survive in the eight to six seed, you know? So I think that there's a whole bunch at play and, and, and I am intrigued to see how the financial implications of the, the, this kind of downturn, what that means for the NBA, how desperate that makes certain different teams, you know, to make decisions or I don't know. And the thunder have all the, all, all that they want. Cause if they can move Chris Paul, they have two, giant expiring contracts this year with Steven Adams and Dennis Schroeder. I mean, that's $30 million that's coming off the books. Like the Thunder are really set up well, not to mention the amount of assets that they still have. If they do want to move Schroeder, I I still, I think we've talked about this, Andrew. I think that they would like to keep Adams because of the culture fit, mm-hmm. but obviously they're not going to keep him at the price point that he is currently uh, valued at. And so I don't know, man, I, it's, this is going to be, I mean, it could be a crazy from basically July until December could be a condensed eight month period for the Thunder, right? Like oh, yeah. you take, 
you're taking four months and fitting what would have been basically April to August, you know, Mm -hmm. which is not much different. I guess it's actually four and four, but it just feels like it's going to go move a little lot faster. Yeah, it it does feel like it will move a, a lot faster. We don't know what and we don't know when the NBA will be done with the playoffs or what their target is. So, I mean, it'll be really interesting to see what that is and how they squeeze everything in right before the season starts. But, uh, you know, there's a chance this Thunder team could be very, very, very different come December. Or they could maybe not find a deal for Chris. And if they don't find a deal for Chris Paul, you can't tank with Chris Paul on your team. It's just going to be impossible. You're either going to be where they are now. like a, That's a good team. That's a really good Thunder team. Or, you know, maybe you lose Gallinari and maybe you lose Dennis Schroeder and then you're just kind of a middle-of-the-road team, which is not what the Thunder are aiming for. So I, th- I think that you're either, to me, running it back for the most part and you re-sign Gallinari and you give him another chance or you're... SGA is your guy and you get another draft pick in and you just see what you can do. And then the 2021, 2022 drafts are very exciting. And I think the Thunder want to be players in both of those. Yeah. And so I, I I would be, I would not be surprised at all to see in those two drafts and even the 2023 and possibly 2024, the Thunder being players in those drafts. And when you can come forward with the amount of draft picks they have, and having the value of their own pick, you know, there's a lot you can do. Yeah. And so I think the flexibility moving forward with trying to grab the next superstar, you know, I mean, maybe they only get like the sixth pick, but you know, if they could trade up two spots and get the guy they like, you know, you, you have the assets to do that. And, you know, teams have gotten, you know, Jason Tatum recently with the Celtics, you know, they yep. traded back to get their guy. Yeah, and I think that's the the reminder we always have to have looking at the Thunder's assets over the next, you know, 10 years is the fact that the point is not that they're going to get a player with every single one of those draft picks. But the point is, is that you have assets that are able to be paired collectively to get what you want or need. Not to mention that it does look like, especially if Chris Paul is traded this summer, like the Thunder are going to be bad for probably multiple years. Mm-hmm. And those are going to be the picks that are really going to increase their value because you're going to probably hopefully land in the, you know, one to 10 range if you're bad enough over the next few years. Yep. And then all of a sudden, you know, the whole game changes for the Thunder. Yeah. I mean, the Thunder get really one more like really good blue chip player that turns out to be a future all star to pair with SGA. I mean, you're not that far off. And then nope. you pray that the uh, that Tillman Fertitta continues to be the owner of the Rockets and that the Clippers don't sustain what they have. And then you may have be able to add guys down the road. I mean, you look yeah. at the success Boston has had through the years, it's because they made that Brooklyn deal. And the Thunder have two deals that could be Brooklyn-esque out there waiting for them. So it's... It's it's a very it will be a very exciting time to be a Thunder fan. There will be some unexciting years to lead to that, right? But I think that there'll be it'll it'll be very very interesting to watch how all this unfolds. Okay, let's get into some Twitter questions. Let's talk. Of, there's a couple uh, Deborah buckets basketball or trivia hour questions that we can go to first. Oh no, <laughs> Miguel Devella twenty five. Uh, can you mix up the teams on the on next week's Deborah Buckets Trivia Hour? It, we're still debating what's going to happen 
We're in uh, negotiations right now. We are in negotiations. It's uh, <laughs> we have a board of governors meeting this afternoon. Um, I don't know what's going to happen, and because we the combination is kind of what it should be right now, because it's you would assume that Andrew and I, you would assume is a very right statement. You would assume that Andrew and I would have a similar what we would bring to the table, um, trivia wise. The wild card has been Luke. Luke has shocked the world. Oh, yeah. With the amount of basketball stuff he actually consumed over the course of his life. It's every time I get done with it, I spend 30 minutes before I go to bed just wondering how just lamenting actually how (laughs) underappreciated I have been towards Luke, you know, like I. I just did not think he had this in him. And so that's been the wild card because it's really like Taylor. Taylor's been great in a lot of ways. John Wall being one of those. Uh, <laughs> but also he's he's really good at the rooting for laundry. Uh, so oh, yeah. I, like it's the shocking thing. Oh, he, it's like he has no doubt who every number is. Um, the hard part is like I'm going to start to expect here and then since we're two or three years ago. Yeah. Now in the conversation, I'm kind of expecting that I would know more. But, man, apparently I don't pay attention enough to like the details of the entire league during the season uh, or at least don't remember them very well. But so what you kind of had is that Taylor and Luke would do a lot more of the pop culture and then maybe Andrew and I would be the basketball part of it. And so really if you're swapping teams, I'm not sure if it changes the dynamic much. One of the things we are talking about it potentially is just doing like a, well, one, like all of us against each other. The yeah. hard part is Alex would be the great equalizer in this, but nobody else is going to make up the trivia show the way he can. Yeah. <laughs> like if, if it was Alex instead of me with Taylor, like I would feel more confident in that team being able to do it because I'm, I'm just confessing like my basketball memory is definitely not very good. Like I'll find random nuggets, but for the most part, it's like, Nope. So that's been the shock for me is like, oh, this is like I would say that Taylor and I both are probably like on both sides of it where I know about as much pop culture from movies as he does music and he knows as much or more like the Mike Conley being the signing. Oh, yeah. He was so confident that immediately for that summer sadness. So anyway, it's been dude, it's it always stings, especially recently. But but it's been so much fun to be able to do it. Like I look forward to, we record them normally on Monday nights if, if you all aren't aware of that. And when we record them, it's like looking forward to it, gearing up for it. And then inevitably let down by it. But. <laughs> uh, Steve-O Utah asks, are the three men weavers more surprised by losing seven weeks or by winning three weeks? <laughs> uh, I feel like this is a uh, probably losing seven here's the deal is we are down by a lot of points which is real uh but we also lost like there was at least well we won one week by the skin of our teeth and then lost at least one week by the skin of our teeth yeah and so the hope here's the here's where we get in trouble taylor and i is we feel it's kind of like my golf game where it's like the one shot out of every 100 that i hit that works makes me think I could do more of them. And so us winning those three has at least convinced us that every week we have a shot. Although statistically it is proving that that is not true. Yeah. <laughs> I know I've been, I was a little surprised that we won this last one. I really thought, I really thought y'all were going to get it. Here's the funniest thing about it is when I re-listened to it, like 
there will be a text thread that we all have. And I feel bad for McKelly because he's also like drug into the text conversation. <laughs> He'll wake up to 150 text messages. But one of the things I always do is when I'm re-listening to the trivia podcast is there's always these like – and this is what I believe about most sports in general but any sort of competition is everything can be changed by like one or two little things. Mm-hmm. Like Taylor and I started out in one way that hit us to a different, you know, like one or two questions change the entire dynamic of the whole thing, which is just nuts. Yeah. Well, and it's, you guys have been in this mode, like emotionally, where if I, if I know that I can get like two or three questions in a row, you guys are just like, (laughs) and then like, I will go in for the kill. I feel like it's so true, man. There's, what was it? It was, it was the second round this week where it was like. Uh, oh, it was the summer of sadness. I don't know if that was first round or second round, but it was like when you nailed, I, I mentioned this before the podcast, but when Andrew nailed the five players that signed the five-year extension or yeah. the five-year contracts, that was like every ounce of energy in me just <laughs> faded. I knew like, when I got well, Drummond, I was like, that's that's it. Like that's the death knell. And Andrew, you can hear Alex. Alex can feel it too because he's always like that is correct like <laughs> and there go the kyle three men weavers <laughs> taylor goes and pours the drink yeah it was i was like okay we got him we got him now <laughs> and the patriots uh, day is definitely that was the, yeah that was the one where i knew and i can't complain because we won one week because luke didn't say the wolf of wall street and so yeah. i couldn't i mean i it's can't true. complain about that it's true uh okay uh this next part is for someone named Hannah. And so, Hannah, you are now listening to a Down to Dunk segment that's just for you. And I hope that you will get excited to listen to future Fry Pods on, uh, on road trips. Uh, but here is your clue. According to Kendrick Perkins, the greatest Thunder player ever, according to Down to Dunk, Sam Presti's greatest draft pick, according to Kobe Bryant, rest in peace, has dog in him and according to alex yock the most exciting athlete i have ever watched so there's your clue good luck and on to our next question uh next question is this has been brought up a bunch i don't know what you think about it now but this is from at philly underscore m mick mick c 88 so He's just basically asking, is Aaron Gordon a guy the Thunder would look to trade for? Uh, So it's funny that you bring that question up because it's one that actually I think Andrew and I have been split on and had this conversation before. I like the idea of Aaron Gordon. um, And I think I would bet on Aaron Gordon needing a new place to develop and a new team to really learn because he's just kind of – nobody knows what he is in Mm -hmm. Orlando. Um, I would take a runner on him just because I believe so much in his, his athleticism and just what he brings to the game. But I know that you, I think, differ on that. Yeah, I, I, th- I feel like he's a guy that'll send you to the middle. Yeah, like he and SGA. I mean, SGA would have to be the guy, you know, in order to take this team to the next level. Because Aaron Gordon, I mean. Aaron Gordon hadn't played with a great point guard and I totally get that. And maybe SGA and he would pair and like, it would be perfect. I just don't know how good Aaron Gordon is and has, he has not had a great season this year. And 
for those reasons, I'm just kind of out. And he really hasn't ever had a great season. Like he was better last year and shot a little better from the three point line, but it's like, I don't think it, maybe I'm wrong. You can correct me. Cause I know that, that you can, you know, you know more the data side of this, but it feels like he's the contract he got was a potential contract. Like, Hey man, we're going to give you this because we think that you have the ability or the athleticism to become elite. Yeah. But and I, it is hard, descending. Man. So like in 2021, 22, he's only making 16 million. Yeah, so that's not crazy. So the question for me is, does pairing those two make you yeah, good enough to be that. a contender right. or does it just pull you to the middle to where your draft picks have less value? And that's where I'm out on him. So if you could get Aaron yeah. Gordon, let's say you tank for next season and then you get Cade Cunningham out of Oklahoma State at the number two pick and he's a superstar and you pair him with SGA and you have this superstar backcourt and now, and you still have Steven Adams and now we need a power forward who we feel like could be our third best player. Then it's like, okay, great. This is assuming that Darius Baisley isn't the next Giannis. <laughs> right. Exactly. Assuming that Darius Baisley is just Darius Baisley. Uh, right. <laughs> I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it. I, I wouldn't do it until we know that we can pair him. Because like pairing Aaron Gordon and SGA is not that exciting to me. Pairing Aaron Gordon as the third guy, it's like, oh, okay, like that's a good third guy. Like Aaron Gordon, good player, nice player. But he I mean, he's doing it with the magic right now. Like he's pulling mm-hmm. the magic to the middle right now. They're making the playoffs. And it's because a lot in large part due to him and his production. But I and I just think I, I think my point has always been with it, like it, it, if you pulled him off the magic, because the magic, the whole organization pulls towards the middle. Yeah. They traded for Serge Ibaka and then signed Bismack Biombo to be a middle team. Mm -hmm. They did that in the same summer, Mm -hmm. same summer. Like their whole team is organized towards the middle, you know, like, so it's hard because I, I think you're. I would probably err on the side more for you, and I know Sam would err on that side way more. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, I'm like, man, to take a runner on a dude that had such high potential. I guess the question is like, what does it take to get Aaron Gordon? Yeah, because yeah. if if you're the Magic, you're dealing Aaron Gordon to go back into the lottery. Yeah. So what's the what do you want? What do you want back? You want yeah cap relief and, it would, and draft it would be picks. Pretty, and yeah, pretty low on what I would give up for him for sure. And then like, are, are you willing to do that? Whereas like his contract gets more valuable as years yeah. go on. Yeah. And so I'm not, I just, I don't want, I don't know that there's a deal to be made. And two, I don't want to make the deal until Thunder have another, at least one more guy that mm-hmm. you can say, okay, I'm ready to go to war with, SGA and name the next player yeah, and yeah, then yeah. add Aaron Gordon as like your third best guy, like your Draymond Green player that can kind of do a lot of different things. And so, so here's a question for Aaron Gordon. Where does he rank on that team? On the magic? Is he their best player? I mean, Vucevic is probably their best is their best player. So another and, question. Yeah. Trade value. Aaron mm-hmm. Gordon, Jonathan Isaac. Isaac has way more trade value. Right. So he's not even the best player on the Magic or has the highest trade value on the Magic. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's, so it's true. Like, it's true. I don't know, man. I just I just don't get excited about those things. Like I don't, it's hard for me to get jacked about a guy that does hasn't even risen. Unless, like <laughs> I, I said, you're you're unless you're saying what I have have been kind of the drum I've been beating is the fact of like if he is limited in his development because of where he is then I think you would take a flyer on him. And there'll be a, t- I, I, if, if he becomes really available, I think there'll be, I think there'll be teams that do do that. Mm-hmm. I can see the Suns being an uh, easy team to go and just spend too much money on air or give up something yeah. to go get Aaron Gordon. Yeah, no, I can see and that he may too. be pretty good there. Yeah. Rockets yeah. for sure. Oh man. Yeah. Uh, okay. A couple more questions and we'll go at clamp. God Dre, at what position would you like? Yeah. At what position would you like to pair a star with Shea? has to be a wing in my mind i yeah. do like the idea of having two point guards uh yeah. that they both because i still i do believe in shay's ability to shoot uh but to have two point guards that can both shoot and distribute and you know i think that'd be a fun way to try to put your you know identity down for the next season is like hey here's what we're gonna do is we're gonna be really good on the backcourt Mm-hmm. Uh, but you, if you can get any sort of wing that is it's just proven every single year how important uh, a wing, a, a long wing that can score is. And so that's your ideal forever in my mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, if you can get a superstar wing, I mean, those are the guys that, you know, rule the league, you know, yep. but I also love the idea of pairing him with an elite point guard. So I think it's, it's a perimeter player, you know, that's, yeah. that's to me, that's it. It's not, it's not like a, a big man that can, you know, do it all. Like that would be, It'd be cool, but you know what wins in the NBA is mm-hmm. you know, perimeter-oriented players that can shoot and make lots of threes. And so somebody yep. that could do that is who I would like to pair him with. So that's what I'm looking for. Is really if just a three-point shot. It has. And like I think that has to be the future of the NBA. Like you have to have a th- big that can shoot thirty yeah. to thirty-five percent at minimum. You know. Yeah, there's no doubt. There's, there's no doubt. Uh, okay. Last question. Sorry. We didn't get to as many questions. Jane, I just, we're just talking. Uh, we'll go with yeah, Bangelope. Real basketball to actually discuss. I know. That's great. Uh, at Bangelope asks, would you rather have spaghetti noodles for fingers or for your toes? Toes. Yeah. It's gotta be toes. I mean, I can, no. I just can't continue my profession with spaghetti noodles as fingers. <laughs> You can't continue anything. You yeah. can't pick up things. Now, here's what I'll say. I think I would have to see some of the research on how your walking would be impacted by spaghetti toes because I know your toes yeah. are fundamental in your process of balance and walking. And so it would make that a challenge. But not being able to grab, any, grab anything or grip anything or do anything with your hands because you got spaghetti noodles, it's not happening. You think you could make your points better from the pulpit with spaghetti noodles as your fingers? Like – Oh, because really people like emphasize wildly distracted. They would just come like, no, man. People would just be like, I gotta go see the pastor with spaghetti noodle hands. Yeah, I think I think that Dang could it. be your thing. You pack the house could. with spaghetti noodle hands. I could also just preach barefoot, and then it'd be like, we'll go see the. It's just not quite as much to see the preacher with the spaghetti noodle. No toes. one wants to see people's feet. No, not not really at all. Especially yeah. mine, they're awful. Yeah, no one wants to see feet. People people would come from far and wide to see spaghetti noodle hands <laughs> the sideshow preacher yeah hey this is your chance jay 
This is your this chance. Is it. Okay. I'm going with toes. Right. Like no one needs to see me anyways, ever. Um, but people need to see you and they need to see your spaghetti noodle fingers. So thanks for listening to our show. You can follow us on Twitter at down to dunk. Follow Jay at J R Ralph. 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 Yeah. J Ralph Smith. It could have just been J R Smith. I could have been. That's actually what my parents thought they, that I would go by eventually. Well, starting, starting, starting now you're J R Smith. Um, it was pretty cool whenever JR actually played here in Oklahoma City too, but yeah, yeah, I still went. With Jay. <laughs> so follow him on Twitter at J Ralph Smith. Follow me on Twitter at Andrew K Schlecht. Uh, if you have some time, leave us a five star iTunes review. That would mean a lot to us. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day and a great weekend. We'll talk to you guys again on Monday. 